dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Sometimes we imagine saints to be people who have life all figured out. They seem to know and execute on God's will perfectly, and therefore it can be hard for us to try to imitate them. The life of St. Paul, however, shows us something very different. Many times he did not know what to do, and yet he still made decisions. How did a saint as great as St. Paul make decisions about God's will? How did St. Paul know what to do? By looking at the scriptures, we can learn valuable lessons to help us in our leadership as well. Hey everybody, I'm just loving this uh, series we're doing on St. Paul. I just, I think it's so exciting to be able to make the Bible come alive, right? In real practical terms for us. One of the reasons why a lot of people don't read the Bible is that they don't want to believe what God has to say, but they just don't see where the Bible fits into their life, right? If, if you saw the practical ramifications that are contained in the Bible, and, and I mean, like you, you wouldn't put it down. It's God's handbook for life, God's guidebook to true happiness. I mean, written by God, infallible. I mean, containing all wisdom and knowledge. It's, an, it's what everybody's looking for. But it's just, it's hard to read it, right? Because there's so many different books. They're written in so many different ways. And it seems to oftentimes have content in there that just seems to be from so long ago, right? And so you don't know where to start. You start with Genesis, for example. It's kind of exciting. But then it just seems so strange. And most people peter off by the time they get to Leviticus, never to open the book again. But that's because you're reading it a little bit in the wrong way. You need to read the Bible from your needs, starting with where you're at in your life and the challenges that are in front of you. And then you go to that book to gain the lessons that you need in order to do things well and to do things better, right? And if there's one thing that's common to every single one of you as a business leader is that you have to make decisions every day, decisions that are consequential, that have impact both on the bottom line and the front of your job, but also on the lives of other people, the, the customers, the investors, uh, the business owners, the clients, I mean, everybody that you work with. If you're in a leadership position, what you do has impact, okay? And so then, therefore, you have a sense of responsibility. Since I'm going to have impact, I need to accept that I'm the one that's making that impact, and therefore, you want to make sure you do it right. And that puts a lot of pressure on you, right? So where do we go? Our default mode to make those decisions is we go right back into, well, the common sense, the way our parents taught us, what we know is right and wrong from school, right? And we make decisions based upon that. But we don't really take the time necessarily to consult God's word to see how he would have us make those decisions. And therefore, we put our spirituality on the side, almost like saying spirituality is something that's about our emotions and it makes us feel good, but it really is not what's supposed to guide our decision making. I would just like to kind of like pause that for a second and say, well, you have a point, but at the same time, wouldn't it be amazing if you actually were making decisions that were in alignment with God, 
I mean, what, 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 wouldn't that be amazing if your manager, your boss, right, was every day going into the job looking for and following divine guidance? I mean, just on one hand, you can just think about that. You say, well, I mean, that's a pretty appealing thought, not only because it would be great to work for such a person, but also because the decisions would be good ones. I mean, God is the supreme knower of all things. And of course, he's got the plan. So what's interesting is God doesn't seem to really want to do that and reveal his knowledge when it comes to business choices. Uh, and sometimes he'll allow us to even go through the cross of failures in our business life. That's because faith isn't about you having a magic recipe to earthly success. But faith is about you deciding and acting with integrity, with justice, but also with the sincerity that allows you to have a clean conscience and a true sense of your self-worth. In other words, you're in this position of leadership asking God to guide you to make the best decisions, the right decisions, the good decisions that you can abide by yourself since you're doing this in his service. And you know that God will bless those good decisions. So it's not a matter of like, by doing bad business, maybe I'll be successful. No, it's the whole thing. By doing bad business, maybe you'll make a ton of money, but you won't be successful, right? The only thing that's really there to make successful in life is a person who's got the peace of soul of knowing who they are and whose they are and has been able to bring who you are effectively into the marketplace and effectively into our culture, right? And for that, there's a whole different standard that's there. And that's where God and his faith are there to guarantee it. He wants you to engage, in other words, in the secular world, but he wants you to engage in that secular world like a Christian, being as savvy, as prudent, as wise in practical affairs as you can be, but doing it out of a different place, operating from a different spot. And a lot of us are unfamiliar with that. We end up saying, well, what is that difference? But you see, I don't understand how to believe or, or really how to engage that. And so we don't. And this is where St. Paul comes in. Because in the Bible, when you read the life of St. Paul, you can see a man like you whose decisions have consequences and therefore who carries the weight of a lot of responsibility. And you could therefore ask, well, St. Paul, how did you do it? I mean, how did you make these decisions? Right. Now you're asking the right question. <laughs> if you see the life of St. Paul, in other words, as something that's similar and akin to your own situation, well, then the life of the Bible suddenly makes sense to you. And I want to say it is. The St. Paul had the weight of trying to follow God in a world that didn't have an instruction book. He was going as the very first one, like an entrepreneur of sorts, right? And, and trying to found something that never existed before. And he was listening to the Holy Spirit, but you're like, well, how did he do that? How did he do that when the Holy Spirit didn't necessarily speak to him? How did he do that when he made mistakes? How did he know what decisions to make? Well, I'd like to see if we could, we could not meditate today on looking at some of that operating system, so to speak, that was in St. Paul and see if we can't develop it in ourselves as well. Imitate that. I think, it, in fact, you can. And that's what the St. John Institute's all about. We're here to try through our network to form you to be operative like St. Paul was and like the saints were so that you can make decisions that are both bold and even if they're sometimes wrong, are always right, right? Because they're always the best decision that you could make. 
right? And so I want to look into that deeper with you. Would you like to hear more from Father Nathan? Join the St. John Leadership Network and receive a two-minute glance at the gospel every Sunday morning right to your phone. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org slash member and join for free today. So I, I want to look at the life of St. Paul, especially from the point of view of how he made decisions. Because a lot of us, especially who are in the Christian world, unfortunately, we have a lot of other things going on in our minds. And some of them can keep us from making decisions. I mean, someone who's just purely worldly, it seems like, well, they just kind of say, what's going to be the most profitable for me, right? And then, and then they go for it. What's going to be the most pleasant? Which is, which is going to give me the most power? Which is going to advance my career the most? And then they just move with it. And then we Christians, well, we tend to be people that are thinking of bigger pictures. Like, what does God want? What about my eternal judgment? You know, <laughs> there's a big one, right? In the middle of, of things. Or, or like, how do I balance my family, keep that first in my priorities, even if I spend more time and energy right now in the workplace, right? That's a, a common one. We have like, in other words, a, a type of super ego, if you want to think of it that way, a, a big voice in our mind about what we should do that can really interfere sometimes when it comes to making simple decisions, even for our businesses or for our career lives. So it's just, we're a lot more complicated because we're trying to live something that's at a deeper level than just what's purely in a worldly way. We don't want to break the law. We don't want to sin. We, you know, we want to be ethical in what we do, but also like we, we at the same time want to advance and we're advancing in competition in a competitive environment with other people who aren't making those same decisions. And, and all of this then also has this big sense of responsibility on it. And so that can produce a state that I, that I call fog, right? It's, it's, a, it's a word that we use at the leadership network here. And, and what it means is it's not that you don't know what to do. It's that you almost can't figure out what to do. Like there's something in the operation of making a decision that's just stopping. It's almost like where the wheels are clogged and you'll see these kind of people like they'll, they'll present to you all the options and then you say, well, which one should we take? And they'll just stare back at you, right? <laughs> and it's it, 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 almost like they want you to make the decision. You're like, no, 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 I want you to make the decision. And then they say, well, let's look at this and this and this and this. And they look interminably like, why can't you make a decision? And, and usually I mean, it could be the same in our own life for us. Right where we 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 could move, change cities, we could change careers, we could sell our business, we could not sell our business, and some people sit in front of those types of decisions forever, or at least for for too long. In any case, maybe they'll make them eventually, but we'll miss the momentum that we need to have in our life, and it's because making decisions for some people is next to impossible. It's just like their big fear, and you want to ask why. I mean, a Christian should actually be the most fearless of decision makers. Why? Because we're living in the mercy of God, number one. Number two, we're confident that God in his providence has already foreknown everything that we could possibly decide to do. Right? Which is true. That's absolutely true. He knows exactly what you will decide. And he has organized his world, right, ordained the world in order to make whatever you decide still work out to fulfill his will. Which means, in a sense, we Christians should be people who say, well, we can't really screw it up. And so let's decide on the best thing and move forward. 
And yeah, we don't. It's just really, for some people anyway, there's another fear that's operating inside. It could be a fear of failure, right? Or a fear of judgment that other people could judge them. It could be just a real sense of scruple, scrupulosity. I have to make the absolute best choice. <laughs> otherwise, I'm a failure of a Christian, right? Like, otherwise, God will, you know, smite me or something terrible, right? Some people, are just they're just lazy in the end. They don't really want to act. There's not enough love really impelling them to make that decision. They don't really care. There could be all kinds of different, like, uh, reasons underneath our lack of decision, that are actually causing our indecisiveness. And that's where Christ enters in. I mean, a normal human being makes decisions of moves. But if you're, if you're blocked and you're to the point where you're just, you can't, they're just really bad at doing that. And so you want to abdicate responsibility and not lead and just follow someone else's lead all the time. Well, there's going to be a lot of, of light that you're, you don't give. The proper gift of yourself will be obfuscated by someone else. This is just, this is not what Christ wants. You know, I mean, he's called us to follow him individually, personally, each one of us. And that requires each one of us taking that risk of making a decision. And if he's put us into a spot of leadership, it's, not, it's so that the impact that we make becomes, well, the donkey upon which he rides so to speak. The, the influence of our life is supposed to be the, the instrument of God's own influence. It's like Mother Teresa used to say all the time, I am a pencil in the hand of God and one with which he writes his love letter to the world, right? Well, that's, well to do that, you've got to write your love letter. <laughs> I mean, you have to make the, the decisions yourself. And that doesn't mean you don't, you know, that you don't uh, ask for advice. It doesn't mean that you, you know everything. But it means that in the end, you recognize that you have a life to live. And when decisions need to be made, you're able to make them. Well, this again is, is a real challenge. And, but it was a challenge for St. Paul too. He also had to do that. And I want to just kind of point out some of the major decisions that he had to do in his life. I, for example, uh, he made the decision right after his conversion to go right back in the synagogue in Damascus and start to preach. How did he know he was supposed to do that? In the end, they took out daggers and were waiting to kill him. Was that the right way to go? He gets lowered out of the window in a basket and then goes all the way to Jerusalem to the apostles. And right away there, he starts to approach the Greeks and he starts to preach to them. The same Greeks who had stoned St. Stephen, now St. Paul is going after himself. And so the apostles have to stop him and they say, St. Paul, no, 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 we're going to put you on a boat and send you back to where he came from, to Tarsus. And he goes to Tarsus. But I mean, like, was that the right move? Maybe he shouldn't have preached right away. Maybe, maybe he should have given more time. Um, maybe, maybe it wasn't his call, right? He, that, did he know this was the right thing to do? It ends up by getting him deported, so to speak, back to Tarsus without any mandate from the apostles. I mean, he's not even part of their apostolic college, so to speak. Like, they don't, they don't consult him, nothing. They just send him to Tarsus. You wonder if, if he wasn't sitting there going, shoot, I made a mistake, right? Now, we don't know, but like it's, it's possible if that happens in your life where you, you go after something and it doesn't work out, right? You, you start a business and it fails or you decide to, to hire someone new and that person's just terrible or, or you put your name on the line and saying, I know that this idea can work and it doesn't. Well, then you say, well, gosh, the, you know, I was just a failure, right? And, and we're so afraid of that sometimes that we don't do anything. 
Then in our business life, I mean, maybe we need to be, you know, very cautious about that. But if it, if it transfers also into our personal life, where we're just so afraid of making this mistake, well, we won't do anything at all. Let's remember the very first rule that I think we can find in the life of St. Paul when it comes to making decisions. Number one, not making a decision is still a decision. And it's usually the bad one. I'm not saying to take your, not to take your time. I'm not saying that sometimes we don't know and we have to wait. I don't know. I'm saying the refusal to decide is an actual decision. And when we refuse to decide, we let things play out without giving the influence that we're called to give. And that was something St. Paul wasn't willing to do. Either was Mother Teresa. Either were many of the saints. You don't find many saints. Saying, and then they, they didn't do anything. They just stood there, you know. So when the evil was, was taking over the world, the saints sat there and wondered what would happen. Like, <laughs> this is not what, what the call is. Instead, it's then the saints engaged. Well, how do you know where to engage? Mother Teresa didn't know. She used to just say, the need is the call. She looked for where there was a need and she started to meet it. She said, where there's a need, that's where there's a call. And I think St. Paul was very similar, right? He, th there's a chance for me to evangelize, I'm going to take it, right? Because it is the failure to decide, the willful rejection of a decision is also a decision. And sometimes, well, sometimes you just got to be ready to make mistakes. Maybe the biggest mistake is not making any. And, and, and St. Paul, you know, he fulfilled a maxim that I love very much. It used to hang in a little plaque that used to be hang in, in the bathroom of one of my relatives. I remember reading this when I was a kid and it said, let me do all the good that I can today for as many as I can for as long as I can, for I shall not pass this way again. What a great, what a great philosophy, right? That doesn't mean it's always going to be the right decision, but it also means, hey, I'm not going to let the fact that I don't know what's best keep me from doing what's good. And what's so funny about this with St. Paul, of course, is just that like, then it continues. Now he finds himself in Tarsus and he has absolutely no mission from the apostles. So he made his conversion, he goes to the apostles, but then they send him back to Tarsus and he's sitting there. And we don't know exactly how long he was in Tarsus. It could be supposed a year, two years, three years. It's just in the scripture, things happen. And then suddenly St. Barnabas decides to go and find St. Paul, who's waiting in Tarsus. This is a scene in the life of St. Paul that really touches me because I see this with a lot of people. There's a season in our life, some, in the lives of some people, that, that where they, it seems like they've been cast off. Almost like, God, don't you have a, a plan for me? You, you have the fire, you have the desire, right? You even got skills and talents, and yet it seems like no, nobody wants you. Like be, you could be in between jobs, or you could be trying to change careers. Usually it happens in midlife, right? In your 50s at some point, and you're sitting there saying, I feel like I'm on the bench, and, and yet there's so many things to do, but, but I don't know where God wants me. And I find it very consoling just to point out to you that St. Paul himself also had that season. And he was, we, I, I love to situate myself with him in Tarsus. I mean, surely I, he went back to making tents. I mean, what else would he have done? This is where his family had a tent making operation. Right? And it would make total sense that there's the great St. Paul, the converter of Europe, you know, and therefore of all the Gentile world. And, and, he, and he's sitting there making tents with seemingly nothing to do. God does this sometimes. God, God is sometimes looking to deepen 
our own humility and our own sense of what life is really all about. That maybe, maybe following him isn't just about accomplishing one task after the next. Maybe there's a spot in our life where we discover that we're just his sons and that he wants us to love him as sons back. I mean, like a, a real depth of, of a spiritual awakening that helps us then as we go out to dare great things for him to remember that we're daring them out of a love that does not depend upon the success of what we dare. This is the, the real beauty of this part in St. Paul's life. And, and I think there's a, a lesson to be learned there, that circumstances are God's sealed orders. I mean, right? There's some things in your life you just can't get around. A, a diagnosis, a sickness, a death of a loved one. And yet God is working there too. Sometimes we have to just wait for him and make little decisions along the way. We make the decisions that we can and that we need to make all for his glory. Even if at times we don't really have a sense that there's anything glorious to them. Would you like to start your Thursday mornings with a scriptural leadership lesson? Join the St. John Leadership Network where Father Nathan hosts a 30-minute call at 6.30 a.m. in all four U.S. time zones. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org slash member and join for free today. St. Paul, so many times in his life, did, just demonstrated that he really did not know what was happening but yet he continued to move forward. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if we were the same? I, just, I find so many Christians today who just kind of, you know, you, it's almost like you expect that life, that God's will is some sort of checklist. And that if you don't have the checklist, it means you did something wrong. That's even worse, right? Said, if you did something wrong, that means you, you should course correct or just pull back. And then when you discover that that's not really how the spiritual life works, <laughs> you get frustrated. And then people are like, I just don't know anything. And then you put your spirituality on the shelf. And that's not where I want it. I want your spirituality to be in your heart so that as then you, with your heart, engage the things of this world, well, God will be using you as his instrument. But to do that, I think you need to look at how St. Paul himself really you know, epitomizes the, the life of someone who did not know any kind of checklist, did not have a checklist, and yet still accomplished God's will. How did he do it? Well, I think that there's a real simple rule here that, that St. Paul you know, epitomizes. It's that you should ask why not more than you should ask why. You don't find Saint, in many scenes where it says St. Paul sat there for hours and he asked what he should do, what he should do. Like, instead, it was St. Paul saying, look, I think I've got an initiative. Let me try it out. And sometimes it was amazing. God really said, no, there's a scene, for example, which you can find in Acts chapter 16, where St. Paul is literally wandering through Turkey. He actually walks the entire length of Turkey from south to north, goes straight through the entire country of Turkey. And it says that he wanted to go to a spot and he went there, but then the Holy Spirit stopped him from preaching there. So he goes to another spot. And once again, the Holy Spirit keeps him from advancing. And you say, my goodness, how could St. Paul and the Holy Spirit not be in sync? Well, there it is. I don't know how, but there it was. Maybe it was in sync. And it's just the Holy Spirit was telling him to try. And then the Holy Spirit said not to try. I don't know. But it's an example of someone. There you have in the great St. Paul where he's trying things. And hearing God say no. 
But what I think is amazing is instead of him wondering why he should do something, St. Paul was asking the question, well, why wouldn't I do it, right? And, and that lesson is a valuable one. I start, in other words, by discerning something that I want. I don't just discern what I should want. I start by discerning what I do want and then asking why not. And of course, what's implied in all of this is that mistakes are possible. I mean, when he decides not to take St. John Mark, for example, with him on his second missionary journey, and there's a dispute that arises that causes a division between John Mark, Barnabas, St. Barnabas, and St. Paul. So two saints actually disagreed with Paul so grievously that they left him. And they went their own way and did something else. I mean, like, was that a mistake? We don't know, of course. But, like, it certainly was bold on, on behalf of St. Paul. Or, you know, or, or the fact that he would go in on Acts 15 and lay down in front of the apostles everything that he was already doing, almost like to say, is this what I should be doing? Should I do something else? You know, you look at that and you say, gosh, that means that maybe everything he was doing was in vain. And maybe it was. But St. Paul was willing to question that. He, you know, mistakes are okay when you live in the vision of God's providence and his mercy and you're doing things for his service. What's not okay is to hide that light under the fear of making the wrong decision all the time. You should try your best, of course. You should ponder things, follow God's law, read things. But when you live it out, there's just so many times where you do not know what to do. And at those times, God is still with you. And St. Paul, he continues to go forward. I mean, if you even look at the way that he died, our Lord said to him, you must bear witness to me in front of Caesar. So, but like after that, he leaves, it's a total of seven chapters in the book <laughs> where Paul's being bounced around and having to make a decision here, a decision there. But he's playing the long game. I know, I know where I'm supposed to go. And maybe it's not, maybe it's a mistake. Maybe it's not, I don't know. But I know that God's going to use it for his good because he works all things out for the good for those who love him and try to do his will. And, and, and so there, there's a, a real lesson for us that Christian clarity that undoes fog has a rule to it, an absolute adherence to the long game of doing God's will, but a complete flexibility when it comes to the short game of how and where and when. Like when you're piloting a, a boat and you, you set your, your navigation on the long-term goal, but you don't fret at the fact that you're being blown here and there by the wind. That's the life of St. Paul. Flexibility, grit, determination allows him to then make decisions without fear and advance the gospel even if he doesn't know where it's going to end up or how to get there in its perfection. And that, of course, he's just like us. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at communications at stjohninstitute.org. That's communications at stjohninstitute.org. And visit www.stjohninstitute.org and sign up for our newsletter to receive updates from Father Nathan.